0: This morning we have the distinct privilege of having Dr. Larry Moyer with us uh, to open God's Word with us. Uh, Larry is the founder and CEO of uh, Evantel Incorporated. Uh, I first met Larry when I was a seminary student back in I think it was 1998. Uh, he instructed me on how to, and a bunch of other people too, on how to share the gospel with somebody and. Uh, learned the bad news, good news approach uh, in class with Larry and uh, we've stayed connected uh, pretty loosely over the years. Um, this is the second time he's been in with us. Uh, first time was two years ago uh, here at Chili Bible. So privilege to welcome Larry and he's going to share with us uh, God's word here this morning. So please welcome him. Well good morning. It's an honor and delight to be back this morning with all of you. When I walked in this morning, someone said to me, how do you like our snow? Because I guess you never see this in Dallas, Texas, where you live. And people are always surprised when I tell them how much snow we've had in Dallas, Texas. We've had 19 inches in the last 45 years. <laughs> <laughs> but every time I've been here, you've made me feel so wanted and welcome. I have found in traveling there are sometimes people who want to make you feel at home, but they're not sure how to go about it. Some time ago, I was speaking in Brazil, and I stayed with a family who did not know any English. But their 13-year-old girl was just learning it, and therefore she acted as my interpreter. And she wanted to say to me, make yourself a home. But because she was just learning the English language, she chose the wrong words. And she looked at me, she said, Go stay by yourself. (laughs) (laughs) And so it's good to meet those who not only know how to make you feel at home, but also know how to say it. And just delight to have this time with you. This morning, I want to ask and answer a question I have found. When people think in terms of spiritual things, it's one of the first questions that always comes to their mind. And that is, why does anyone need religion when you already have so many other problems? Why does anyone need religion when you already have many other problems? And if you have your Bible, we might ask you to take them. And turn with me to one of the shortest but most meaningful paragraphs in the Bible. It's found in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 or 30. Or take that handout you should have got to me, gotten as you came in this morning, and the scripture there for you. Or watch the screen in front of you; that also will be there for you. But once you leave, not knowing what I said but knowing where in the Bible God said it first. When you have your Bible, turn with me in Matthew chapter 11. I like to start reading at the 28th verse. Will you follow me as I begin reading Matthew chapter 11 and beginning at verse 28? Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle to unload in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Every single one of us have them. Now, some of us have more than others, and some of us feel like every time they come, they come in a giant-sized package. But every single one of us have them. Now, the simple thing I'm referring to is a serious thing called problems. In fact, someone feels so overwhelmed by our problems that putting in the driveway at night is no easier than backing out in the morning. Crawling underneath the covers is no easier than crawling out. In fact, Reader's Digest one time told about a man that every time he came home from work, as soon as he hit the door, his wife would hit him with the calamities of the day. And one night he said to her, Honey, before you hit me with everything that's gone wrong, could you at least let me sit down and enjoy a good night's nice meal? And the next night, as soon as he walked in the door, his wife looked at him and said, "Honey, hurry up and eat. I have something terrible to tell you. <laughs> now, if you were to ask the average person, "What is your biggest problem?" They would tell you they're having problems in one of all of four different areas. Now, the first area where they' tell you they're having problems is in the area of family. In other words, problems with the parents. Problem with the children, problem with the in-laws, problem with the outlaws. In fact, some of us have so many problems in the area of our family. We feel like they've been there from day one. A husband and wife who are newly read for one time in the race to their honeymoon, and he looked her and said, honey, now since we are married, I hope you don't mind if I point out a few defects I have noticed about you. She said, not at all. It was those same defects that kept me from getting a better husband. (laughs) And (laughs) even though we've been to all kinds of seminars, read all kinds of books and talked to all kinds of people, the problems still seem to be there. I love the story of the husband and wife who are walking out of the office of the marriage counselor. And she looked at me and she said, now since we have learned how to communicate, shut up. (laughs) But a second place where people tell you having problems is in the area of finances. Now, the way you spell that is M-O-N-E-Y, money. A man one time made the comment, when I was young, I used to think that money was the most important thing in life. Now that I'm older, I know it is. <laughs> it's interesting to me that, Lynn Cros- that Lynn, Benny Crosby, Lynn Crosby, the youngest son of Ben Crosby, by his first marriage, committed suicide in an apartment in California at the age of 51. And the apparent reason was he had just found out his mother's inheritance would no longer be coming to him. And a person who knew the situation well made the comment, he just could not face the future without money. But a third place where people would tell you having problems is in the area of job. In other words, don't like the work, don't like the workers, can't stand the business, can't stand the boss. In fact, a survey revealed some time ago of all Americans are very dissatisfied with their jobs. One time a school teacher saw a first grader crying to no end, and she walked up to him, tenderly knelt in front of him, wiped the tear from his eyes, and said, What's wrong, honey? And he said, I don't like this place, and I gotta stay here until I'm 18. And she started to cry. And he looked at her and said, Well, what's wrong with you? She said, I don't like it either. I got to stay till i 65. <laughs> but a fourth place for people to have you having problems is in the area of personal circumstances. By that I mean, there are temptations they have not been able to avoid, habits they have not been able to quit. They are wrecking their lives, destroying their marriages, and making them feel absolutely worthless. It's interesting to me that in Leningrad, Russia, there's a statue of Ivan the table, Terrible with his arm put up, urging his country forward, and he was known as the czar of all czars. But he was so given the fits of anger that one time, one of those outbursts, he killed his own son. When he came to the end of his life, he said, I've conquered all kinds of empires, but I've never learned how to conquer myself. And for that reason, there are those who say, please, Don't bother me with religion because I have all the problems I need. Because when they think of Jesus Christ, they think of religion, and they have two basic reactions. On the one hand, they feel it's absolutely boring because you go to a dead church to see sad people, listen to a boring preacher, talk about a pitiful subject. In fact, some time ago, a pastor called a woman who had not been to church for some time, He said, where have you been? She said, well, you know how it is. The kids have been sick. And then it just rained, 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 rained. And he said, well, you ought to come to church. It's always dry there. She said, yes, in fact, that's another reason I've not been coming. (laughs) It's just so dry there. (laughs) Some time ago, I announced some young people in a major city. And we asked people the question, when you think of church, what do you think of? The four biggest reactions were God, Jesus, buildings, and boring. But the second reaction that people have is it's absolutely frustrating because most of us work on the basis that in order to get to heaven, you've got to be good. So you better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. You just might not get to heaven if you do. And was so frustrating, we feel it does not matter how good you've been, you'll probably never be good enough. Some time ago, a Fort Worth, Texas newspaper told about a bus driver who was received the Safe Driving Award for Outstanding Years of Safety as a Bus Driver. When her colleagues found out about it, they were so excited. They asked her if she would drive them to the awards ceremony, and they were delighted she said yes. But the awards ceremony, probably out of excitement, she turned the corner too sharp, the bus overturned, and 16 people had to be treated for minor injuries. When the awards ceremony found out about it, they canceled her award. And we feel that's what's so frustrating. It does not matter how good you've been, you'll probably never be good enough. And for that reason, there are those who say, please, don't bother me with religion. I've got all the problems I need. Some time ago, well-known personality, Ted Turner, stood up in the audience and he said, the further I got from religion, the better off I was. And the whole place broke up in applause. Well, this morning, I have something awfully exciting to tell you. It's a promise Christ made to people that are just, uh, they're just about as frustrated as some of us are. And that promise could be reduced to 12 words, and that is, if you come to Christ, you will find rest instead of religion. If you come to Christ, you will find rest instead of religion. Look at verse 28. Come to me, all you who labor and have laden, and I will give you rest. Now, the only thing I regret is that you could not hear him say that instead of me so you would know how much love there is behind those words. Because some of us have had more people tell us to go than ever had tell us to come. In fact, some time ago, I was in a fast food restaurant. A man walked in rather poorly dressed. Needed a light for his cigarette. Seeing a woman with a cigarette lighter, he walked over to her and he said, May I have a light? She lit his cigarette and then she said, Now get out of here. Husbands have told wives to leave. Wives told husbands to leave. Parents have told children to leave. Children told parents to leave. But Christ says, Come to me. Look again at verse 28. Come to me, all you who labor and are related, and I will give you rest. Now, why did he say, All you labor and are related? Because in this context, he is talking to people who are fed up with religion. They of two groups of people, known as the Proud Pharisees and the sad Sadducees, who had all kinds of regulations to follow or to be accepted by God. They said, you cannot talk to a woman in the street. Nope, not even your own wife. They said, if you throw a piece of fruit up in the air with your left hand, when it comes down, you better catch it with the same hand you threw it up. Otherwise, you have worked and you have broke the Sabbath. Now, doesn't that sound like a fruity idea? They said on certain days, you could not hit your donkey with a whip. I promise you, had you been living that day, you would not have felt like hitting a donkey with a whip. You'd have felt like hitting a Pharisee with a donkey. <laughs> and they had all kinds of regulations to follow or would be accepted by God. You're probably saying, but Larry, that's exactly how I feel. All oh, is a bunch of regulations, a list of do's and don'ts. The way we expressed it when I was a teenager about 10 years ago was you cannot drink, you cannot chew. You dare not go with the girls who do. <laughs> On the one hand, we feel you have to go to church. And for life, we can't figure out why I don't feel any different when you leave than when you came in. And furthermore, deep down in the pit of our stomach, we know we'd have a better life without going to church than many of those who go. We feel you have to keep the Ten Commandments, And our first problem is, we don't have the foggiest idea what they are. (laughs) In fact, one time some young people were asked, can anyone give me one of the Ten Commandments that only contain four words? One boy spoke up and said, yes, keep off the grass. (laughs) The Bible is saying, whatever your frustration, whatever your disgust, come to me. Again, look at verse 28. Come to me, all your labor 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 and everything and I will give you rest. Now, why does he say, and I will give you rest? Because there's something he wants everybody here to know, and that is eternal life is free. You don't get to heaven by going to church, living good, being baptized, keep commandments, take the sacraments. You can live a better life than you feel your neighbor lives or a better life than you feel the Pope lives. That will not get you to heaven. You can go to church two Sundays a year, Christmas or Easter, or you can stay home two Sundays to go to the rest. That will not get you to heaven. You can give God one-tenth of everything you make, or you can keep one-tenth, give the rest to him. That will not get you to heaven. Because all of us have sinned, and the punishment for that sin is death. What the Bible says is, 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ, the perfect Son of God, came into the world. He took your sin and my sin, placed upon himself. He died in our place. He was our substitute. They punished him or they should have punished us. He saved us by dying for us. He died in our place. Some time ago in North Carolina, there was a young eleven-year-old boy that got in big trouble in a lake. Two bystanders saw it. They rushed out to him. They got in trouble, and expert swimmer standing nearby saw it all happen. So he rushed out to the two adults, and first of all, got them to shore. Then he went out to that 11-year-old boy and got him to shore. But just as he gave him one last push that took him all the way to the shore, out of probably fatigue or a little bit of current in that lake, he was sunk underneath, and he died. But he saved those other three by dying for them. He died in their place. The Bible is saying Jesus Christ came in the world. He took your sin and my sin, placed upon himself. He died in our place and rose again the third day. And that's why you cannot get to heaven. By going to church, living good, doing right. Because the price for your sin has already been paid. He paid it. When 2,000 years ago, he died in your place. You simply have to come to him as sinner, recognize Christ died for you, and put your trust in him alone and nothing else as your only way to heaven. And Christ so simply said, he who believes in me has everlasting life. Some years ago, I spoke in a place in Colorado. A woman, a couple who owned a bookstore who knew how much I loved to read said to me, we want you to go into that bookstore, pick out $75 worth of books, and yours free. When I'm in that bookstore, all I could do is receive a gift. The price had already been paid. If you want to live forever, you have to receive eternal life as a gift, because the price has already been paid. And that's why Christ says, Come to me, all you labor have, and I will give you rest. Because when you put your trust in Christ as your only way to heaven, you know beyond any doubt you're going straight to heaven when you die. And that is most relaxing life known to man. In fact, the word rest there actually means relief. You don't have to get up in the morning and say, where would I go if I died today? You can read that one out of every four families being struck with cancer doesn't have to unnerve you. You could ride past a car accident and not say, what happened to me? Because the moment you trust Christ, you, don't, you know beyond any doubt, you're going straight to heaven and you die. And that's the most relaxing life known to man. That's relief. Capital R, capital E, capital L, capital I, capital E, capital F. And the interesting thing is, God in kindness, I don't deserve. had allowed me to speak in almost every state, over sixty foreign locations, I've seen people going in and out of all kinds of temples. I have never heard one of them say, "I know I'm going to heaven." Christ said, "Come to me, and I will give you a rest." When you place your trust in Christ, you know beyond any doubt you're going straight heaven when you die, and that's the most relaxing life. To come to man, knowing the man. If you come to Christ, you'll find rest instead of religion. But then you might be saying, but then, Larry, why go to church? Why live a good life? Why try to do what's right? Would you believe that's the next thing it addresses? Look at verse 29. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle and loading heart. You'll find rest for your souls. A yoke referred to wooden frame placed upon the shoulders that made a burden easier to bear. And in this context, he's referring to his instructions in how to live a life honoring to God. So the first thing he's inviting you to do is come to him. Receive completely free the gift of eternal life. Then he's inviting you to learn more about him. He says that. Look at verse 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. As you learn from him, he'll show you how to live a life for fulfillment instead of frustration. How to put in your life what should be there, and take out what should not be there. And you know what's exciting? When you're learning from Christ, you're learning from someone who's humble and lowly in heart. Look again at verse 29. Take my upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. In other words, he's humble instead of haughty. Some years ago, I speak in North Dakota, on the way back, the plane connected in Denver, And a movie star that all of you know, who is now deceased, stepped on the plane. As soon as he did so, in a haughty and high-minded way, he said, Hello, all you fellow Americans. I was so turned off by his arrogance that although I knew who he was, I felt like saying, Hello, whoever you are. (laughs) Do you know how exciting it is to learn from someone like that? Is just about as exciting as taking your mother along on your honeymoon. <laughs> but when you learn from Christ, you're learning from someone who's humble and loading in heart. Again, as verse 29 says, for I am gentle and loaded in heart. And you're learning from someone like that. And that's why verse 30 says, for my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. First of all, all you're doing... Respond the one who gave you a free gift to eternal life, that's not hard to do. And secondly, the whole time he's showing you how to live, he's right in there helping you live it. And that's why living for him becomes a delight, not a duty. It becomes a privilege, not a pain. It becomes a blessing, not a burden. It's first-class living. And that's why he says again in verse 30, For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. When you do wrong... He's sympathetic and he's understanding. He's not like the policeman that saw a car parked by a fire hydrant. And he noticed they had a just married sign on the back. So he gave him two tickets. One marked his, the other marked hers. You know, one of the biggest problems I had before I came to Christ, I'll be so transparent. I had one fierce temper. We never needed a stove around our house before I came to Christ. They just got me mad. I could cook anything. (laughs) One year I cooked a Thanksgiving turkey in one minute. (laughs) When I came to Christ, God told me how to take one day at a time and not get so ticked off when life did not go my way. Some of us are so worried, so anxious. You're like the woman who had a man say to her, will you marry me? She said, I don't marry anyone unless they make at least 50000 a year. How much did you make last year? He said, I made 10000 the a whole year. She said, that's close enough. <laughs> but when you come to Christ, he showed you how to take all those anxieties, place them on his shoulders, and his shoulders are so much bigger than yours. And that's why he says, my yoke's easy. My burden is light. What this paragraph is saying is, if you come to Christ, You'll find rest instead of religion. For the first time in your life, you know beyond any doubt you're going straight to heaven when you die. And that's the most relaxing life known to man. That is relief. And then uh, you'll learn more about him. He'll show you how to live a life of fulfillment instead of frustration. How to put in your life what should be there and take out what should not be there. And that's why living for me comes a delight, not a duty. Excitement, not exhaustion. If you come to Christ, you'll find rest instead of religion. And for that reason, if you throw away religion, you have not made any mistake. You all received the Congressional Medal of Honor. But if you throw away Jesus Christ, you have made the biggest mistake of living. We have an advertisement today that says, "How do you spell relief?" The answer is. Roll Aids. To the benefit of religion, Christ says, How do you spell relief? J E S U S C H R I S T. If you come to Christ, you'll find rest instead of religion. Some years ago, a few of you probably remember reading about it because it made the national news. There's a woman coming home on the East Coast on the expressway. And she looks through a rearview mirror and she said saw one big truck right on her bumper. Recognizing that's too close, she sped up. Only have the truck speed right up behind her, keeping right on her bumper. She sped up again, only have the truck speed right up behind her, keeping right on her bumper. She sped up again only have the truck speed right up behind her, keeping right on her bumper. At this point, starting to panic, she headed for the nearest exit on the expressway. Only to have the truck driver go off the exit with her, keeping right on her bumper. She drove in the nearest convenience store she could possibly find. Only to have the truck driver drive in the convenience store with her, keeping right on her bumper. She jumped out of that car and as fast as her legs would carry her, she ran into that convenience store. Only to have the truck driver get out of his truck. And as fast as his legs would carry him, run to the back door of her car, and pull from it. One of the most wanted rapists in America. Boy, he could see from his elevated position that she couldn't. He was hovered down there, just waiting for a chance to make his attack. And she thought he was out to harm. He was only out to help. You might feel like religion has done you a lot of harm. It probably has. Religion has harmed a whole lot of people. But Jesus Christ is not out to harm. He's out to help. If you come to Christ, you'll find rest instead of religion. Have you understand that? You understand why? Again, God in kindness I don't deserve has allowed me to speak across the world. I met people by the thousands who have said to me, by the thousands. The one thing I regret in life is I did not come to Christ sooner than I did. I have not met one person on earth who ever said to me. I am sorry I came to Christ. Not one. You know why? Because if you come to Christ, you will find rest instead of religion. Let's bow our heads and our hearts to speak in prayer. Would you pray with me? Pray with me. This morning, as our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. I would like to ask every person here, Most important question a friend could ever ask. I hope I can call myself your friend, and that is, if you were to die right now, do you know beyond any doubt you go straight to heaven? I'm sure there are those here who say, Larry, I don't think of everyone who's lived before. I have to confess, I've confused religion with Christ. Know what's exciting? You could trust Christ right there, right now, right there where you are. Jesus Christ could become your personal Savior. In the moment I'm going to say a prayer, what kind of prayer you can use, if right now you want to tell God you're trusting Christ. Now, saying this prayer does not save; it's trusting Christ that saves. Prayer is only how you tell God what you're doing. But if right now you want to trust Christ. This is how you can tell God that. Just in the quietness of your seat, the privacy of your heart. Dear God, I come to you now. I admit you, I'm a sinner. Go ahead, tell God that. I admit I'm a sinner. Nothing I am or do makes me deserving of heaven. Tell God that. Nothing I am or do makes me deserving of heaven. But now understand, Jesus Christ died for me. Tell God that. He took my place and punishment and rose again the third day. Tell God that. And right now, God, sitting in this seat this morning, I place my trust in Christ alone as my only way to heaven. Thank you for the free gift of eternal life. I just this morning received. Now as Hester by the eyes of closed, may I say two things. First of all, if you sat there and sincerely trusted Christ, the Bible, not me, the Bible says, God just gave you free the gift of eternal life. Everything you do from this morning out. It's just a thank you letter to God for He just did today. May I encourage you live the rest of your life as a thank you letter to God. Then week by week, put in your life what should be there and take out what should not be there. And secondly, don't be ashamed to tell anybody, "I trust to Christ today." When Christ died on the cross, He's not ashamed of you. Don't be ashamed to tell anybody, "I trust to Christ today as my personal Savior." Live the rest of your life as a thank you letter to God. And don't be ashamed to anybody. I trust the Christ today as my personal Savior. He was not ashamed of you, I beg you. Don't be ashamed of him. Our gracious Father, we recognize that religion can be absolutely frustrating, absolutely boring, but you're absolutely exciting. We pray for those who trust you this morning. Help them not be ashamed to admit it. And could the rest of your life be a thank you letter written to you. Oh Lord, for those of us who have known you for some time, could you remind us in an awfully fresh way the only thing we can take with us to heaven is a friend. In 2019, it had just gotten started. Prevent us from living it for all the stuff that 100 years from now won't even matter. Help us live it for the people who do. Before we ask it in Jesus' name for Thanksgiving, amen. May I ask all of you something right now? It would be a tremendous help, those who made this special Sunday possible. You come in, you should receive the card. It looks like this, it's called a communication card. What's well, so helpful a day like this? You know, how many were here, where they were from, what age you represent? Would you be so kind just take a moment right now and fill out that card? Even if you were there last night, today's a different service. Take a moment right now and fill that out. If you don't have a pen or a pencil, someone alongside will own you theirs. If you did not get one of these, just hold up your hand, and the men are going to come right now to get one of these to you. So if you did not get one, just hold up your hand very quickly or come get one to you. Please don't miss what I'm going to say next. It's so important. If you trusted Christ today, say, Larry, I've not understood this before. I trusted Christ today, and I meant it. Your final line in that card that says, I put my trust in Christ today. Would you please check that line so we can see you get a copy of a book. I wrote just for you. 31 days living as a new believer. 31 things I wish you had told me that night on a dairy farm in Pennsylvania when I trusted Christ. And I had taken off like a rocket. So if you trusted Christ today, say, Larry, I don't think I've understood this before, I trusted Christ today, and I meant it. Would you please check there where it says, I put my Christ in Christ today for the first time. So we can see you get a copy of 31 days living as a new believer. But just take that moment again, moment put out again, not one per couple, one per person. Again, if you need a pen or pencil, someone along, the, along alongside you will own you theirs. Did not get one, just hold up your hand. They're coming right now, get one of these to you. May I say it again. If you trust the Christ today, say I don't think I've understood this before. I trust Christ today and I meant it. Put a check on that line that says I trust the Christ today. So we can see you get a copy of the book. Thirty one days living as a new believer. It's exciting to come to Christ. It is ten times more exciting to grow as a Christian. Salvation is a starting point, not a stopping point. God wants you to now grow and live a thank you letter to him. We want to help you grow. So If you trust your Christ today, put a line, check by that line. We'll see you get a copy of 31 Days Living as a New Believer. And one more thing. I don't know of a greater agony in life than to know that people are part of your family on earth. Unless something happens, will not be part of your family in heaven. At the same time, sometimes families are some of the most difficult ones to talk to about Christ. And for that reason, I'm going to be bringing a mini seminar today at noon on how do you talk to your own relatives about spiritual things, the three don'ts and the five do's. I can identify because my own folks came to the point of telling me their trust was in Christ after 27 years of praying. So I know what it's like to wake up in a nightmare. Your dad just died and went to hell. So I'll be bringing a mini seminar, How to Talk to Your Own Relatives About Spiritual Things, The Three Don'ts and The Five Do's. Everybody will get a handout to fill out and take home with you, and you will leave convinced as never before. You know how to talk to family members about Christ. So if you signed up for the seminar, come join us. If you did not sign up, still come join us, and come fast enough that you can grab somebody else at lunch who's already signed up. Because after all, it's more blessed to give than receive. (laughs) But no, in all seriousness, if you didn't sign up, grab a sandwich, something real fast, and come back. Because we'll get time for people to eat, and then we'll start the seminar. You should be out by 1.30 at the latest, and probably before that. But by all means, come join us. If you didn't sign up, grab something for lunch, come back and join us. As we talk about how to talk to your own family members about spiritual things. The three don'ts and the five do's. And looking forward to that time together. But thank you for turning those communication cars upside down. Pass them now to the aisle, and as they have a final song, the men will come back collectively. collect those. Just turn them upside down, pass them to the aisle. Men are coming down to collect those. But thank you for helping us help you in that way. Amen. Thank you, Larry.